Hey Hawks fans, Luke Bruce here. CJ here. Jarman here. If you love the Hawks, then you need to be connected to the Hawks Insiders. It's got all the latest news, match recaps, interviews and specialised content written by the Hawks fans for the Hawks fans. Make sure you subscribe. Get your daily dose of Hawthorne content into your inbox. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Here from Jarman MP for the Insiders. Alrighty, let's do this. Ashley Brown here. Welcome to Hawks Insiders Safe Space, and I think it's likely to be a uh, it's likely to be a bit of a group therapy session as well, as we look back on a day of bit of carnage. Really, the Hawthorne Intra Club game took place out at Waverley this morning. Uh, lots to get through. Um, as I welcome my Co-host, the man pulling the levers tonight is Danny Prince. You were there. Hello, Danny. Ash, I was. I was there with uh, the rest of our, uh, I guess, hosts tonight. And uh, it was, yeah, it was good to see Mick and, and, and Brad. And and I think that's, uh, that's about where the positives end. <laughs> uh, hello, Brad. Hello, all. Yes, a brutal day. I thought I'd, I'd head out there, had a rough 24 hours. The sun uh, was shining, went out, uh, you know, to watch the boys today, and I'm sure we're going to touch on it, but, yeah, very disappointing day, unfortunately. All right, and uh, Mick Cowan will be uh, joining us uh, throughout the show tonight. Mick, hello. Ash, uh, Brad, Danny, a long time no see. Yeah, it was a tough day, but, you know, there's, there's still some stuff to take out of it, I think. There is. Um, the worst. The worst thing for me is Blank's going to come back as a twenty-four game player. That's the worst part. That's the worst part of the whole thing. So what we're going to do? I'm actually going to take a step back because you three gentlemen were there today. So I'm going to get you guys pretty much talk for as long as you want to about the game, what you saw, run through as many players as you like. Then we will open it up to questions and comments from our other listeners. So if you've got a question, just hold your horses for a bit. We will get you on at some stage, and then we'll have a bit of a look at what it all means, play around with uh, options for the Hawks going forward and that sort of thing. And uh, that's when we'll sort of take your questions, and that's when we'll take uh, your comments. Thanks, everybody. Of course, we support Hawks Insiders, $5 a month, $50 a year for great Hawthorne content. We're really looking forward to seeing you all at the live show on the 13th of March as well. Um, but let's uh, talk about a day that uh, started auspiciously with news that Dylan Moore has glandular fever and won't be playing for at least a month. And we thought, well, that's uh, not a great start to the day. Then there was CJ hobbling off with a hamstring injury. Uh, I think it was in uh, the third quarter. And then shortly afterwards, James Blank, the uh, the big blow for the day. Hawthorne's now first choice uh uh, full back, I think. Uh, his knee crumbled out on the what was used to be the outer wing at uh, Waverley Park. Bunch of Bagora and the news confirmation uh, later in the afternoon that he has uh, done ACL and will be out for the season. All sorts of doom and gloom in Hawk Nation uh, as a result of that. And the news this evening that uh, CJ's hamstring injury will keep him out for eight weeks, which led to the very... Um, Good remark uh, from Simon Morowitz on our group WhatsApp that did Hawthorne keep the receipts from the trip to Dubai. Anyway, I'm going to hand over to you three gentlemen for the time being. Take it away, Danny. You get started. Talk through the day uh, with as much uh, length and detail and gruesome detail as you like. 
And uh, when you guys are ready, we will throw it open to a wider conversation. If you've got some comments and questions, send them through. We'll feed them into the conversation a bit later on. Danny, the floor is yours. Yeah, thanks, Ash. Um, look, I will say it, was, it started off uh, really positively. Uh, headed down to, to Waverley Park, Bundjal Bagora. It was a beautiful day for a game of football. Um, players couldn't ask for much better. And getting out there at 9.45 in the morning, uh, it was still fresh enough and not too hot that it was uh, really good conditions and conducive to good footy. Um, I think the first thing to sort of understand, and I know Mick and I chatted through his notes and, and some of my notes post-match in a bit of a debrief, but the first thing to understand was um, that the way that they started in the first half, there was gold and we'll call it teal. It's like a greeny blue aquary colour. Um, and the gold team had the A forward line and the gold team also had the B defence. So the teal had then the B forwards and the A defence. And that was done to really give those forwards and those defenders the best possible, um, I guess, run that they could get. Um, you know, so it was Sam Frost against... Um, uh, Mitch Lewis, uh, or Chole against uh, James Blank and vice versa. Those two swapped around a bit. Um, you know, that sort of thing. I think it's important to understand that it was our um, our best back line against our best defence and our, our guest reserves back line against our reserves uh, forward line, sorry. Uh, and then the midfield was kind of split 50-50. They, I don't think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Mick at the start they had, it was Newcomb, Mackenzie and Ward versus Warple, Nash and Hustwaite or something similar to that. Those were the six. Um, and, uh, you know, it was broken up pretty evenly. And you could see the same uh, for each wing. There was CJ on, on one side, um, D'Ambrosio on the other, and so on and so forth. So um, that was the split before going into at half time. They split into, I guess, best. 22-23 against the whoever was left over. And it really felt like it was whoever was left over um, in, in, in halftime because of the injuries and, and people being managed and stuff like that. Um, Brad, I uh, got had the pleasure of sitting next to you between all your gallivanting around, speaking to all your media contacts. Um, your initial thoughts of the first quarter, you were, you were pretty impressed. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Uh, Husswaite was the one. Um, I thought he was the best player in the first quarter. I speak, yeah, spoke to a few people. I was uh, lucky I sat with uh, David King, who's a track watcher. He, he uh, goes around to watch all of the clubs uh, train in their pre-season. Uh, Nathan Buckley was there as well, was a keen uh, onlooker. He's a very big fan of uh, Sammy Mitchell and his uh, coaching. But um, Husswaite and uh, Connor McDonald, you know, are two players who I think are going to have really, really good seasons. Husswaite, I don't know how he fits in, but I think he's going to have to play. Um, I think his bigger body, his skills are really, really good. He kicked a really classy goal as well in uh, the first quarter. Uh, Watson kicked a goal in the first quarter. Blake Hardwick looked really good up forward. I know I've been quite critical of that move. Um, he's definitely going to play as a forward. Um, I thought he was probably... Um, our best small forward uh, today. I think he ended up with three goals, took some pretty good marks. He's going to play down there in the forward line. So, yeah, I thought that was probably the biggest positives in the first quarter. Uh, McKenzie as well. 
I noticed he's put on a bit of size, and I think his fitness has improved, which was an issue last season. Um, I think he's also going to play at least 15-plus games uh, this season. So those were my biggest positives for the first quarter. Yeah, I'd have to agree with all of that. And Mick, we chatted uh, post-match, and um, you were really bullish, and, and I agree with you on just the inside work of Jai Newcomb and Connor Nash and James Warple um, throughout the the early part of the game too. Yeah, that's right, uh, Dan. And then you know, you had Warden McKenzie on the outside and Huswood on the outside. But going to Brad's point, you know, Hardwick. I don't think Hardwick's a, a small. I, I'll call him a hybrid forward mm. because he is he's setting up almost on the uh, inside fifty line or the fifty meter line and delivering the ball into others and then occasionally getting into a goal-scoring situation himself. Like, he went for a few marks and found some space. Um, and we spoke about his below-his-knees work isn't quite as clean as Watson and Ginevan, but his marking and his strength of body is important uh, to that forward setup. Um, the other thing was that Chole gave Reeves a really big chop out in the ruck, and it was the first time we sort of seen him play significant minutes in, in the middle in the rucking situation. Um, and at one stage, they did go very small in the first quarter with only Lewis in the forward line with um, sort of the Collingwood, you know, small forward setup. Uh, interesting for those that were following, Weddle started on the bench um, and then went into the back half. So um, whether they're holding back the hype, I don't know. Um, yeah, well, Watson, I think... Yeah, go on. I was just going to say the other one. Watson at one stage pushed right back into the back pocket mm. and, you know, set up a clearance... Um, and transition run through the middle that ended up being a forward entry. I can't remember where they got a goal out of it, but as we chatted, you know, he just, you know, my bias here, you know, he's so small, he just pops up, people don't realise, and then all of a sudden he just appears. Um, and his delivery is very good, his decision-making is very good, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of names you mentioned there, Mick, that I uh, want to touch on. Uh, Brad, I want to get your first take on... I think this is the first time you've seen Nick Watson live, Brad. Um, what were your what were your thoughts of the Wizard of Waverley Park? Oh, abs- he was unbelievable. His skills, as uh, Mika touched on, he's just very clean. He's very good below his uh, knees. And he's obviously uh, quite small, but his uh, finishing is also really good. It's good set shot for goal. He's a good snap as well of the ball. Um, Mika, you know, touched on how he pushed up uh, the ground. So, for a first-year player, he looks like he's got a pretty decent uh, tank, uh, which is quite important. Normally, we see those first-year players, like we saw with uh, McKenzie last year, who really struggled uh, to run out games. Um, but I think he's a lock for round one. I know we got a lot of small forwards, um, but I can't see how he isn't in the team. He was, other than uh, Hardwick, who um, Mick touched on, you know, is, I guess, not a traditional small forward. I thought uh, Watson was probably our... Uh, next best, you know, smaller forward uh, today. So he impressed me. He was unbelievable. I think he plays from round one. Um, is he going to play uh, every game? Probably not because he's going to need a rest, but he's got a bright, bright future and you can see why we took him with um, our first pick in the draft. I know, obviously, Blank going down is really disappointing and I know there's a lot of our supporters who thought and still believe we should have taken uh, Curtin. I don't think Dan Curtin's going to be a key position player. So, Watson, I think, is def was uh, the right pick, and I think he's going to put a lot of bums on seats as well. So, no, he was uh, brilliant to watch. Yeah, I think some of the things to touch on there is um, there was an electricity, even in the... Well, it was a pretty decent crowd for a Thursday morning, to be perfectly honest. There was uh, 
a little bit of excitement and energy every time he touched the ball from the crowd. And I think if you replicate that in a in an AFL game environment, Hawthorne home games when there's a when there's a large crowd, you're going to be able to really that that feeling's going to be palpable. You're going to be able to feel it. Um, you know, hairs on the back of the neck stand up, that sort of thing. I think you can't buy that. People either have it or they don't. The last player I think Hawthorne had that had that was Cyril Rioli. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's it's an electricity, a bit of magic every time he touches it, Brad. Absolutely. I was just going to say what I'm going to love uh, this season and our supporters are, uh, the Watson and uh, Ginevan combination is going to make opposition supporters and fans pull their hair out. They are going to be the most hated combo um, in uh, the AFL and we're going to love it. Uh, you're just going to see it's uh, going to happen. The two of them, they seem to feed off each other as well. You can see they're really close. They've formed a really strong bond. Um, and yeah, they are going to annoy a lot of people and we're going to love uh, to watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Mick, the other one you, we spoke on earlier today and you touched on before was the impact of uh, Mabby or Chol. And I think you know, aside from the goals, he kicked a couple in the last quarter. Um, he just looked like a man amongst boys out there today. Oh, he's, having watched him and matched him, and today he actually let himself go, I think, more than he had in match simulation prior to that. You know, he moves like an athlete. His field kicking up the ground is really good. Um, his ruck work was good. And in the in the uh, forward 50, um it's going to be good learnings for DGB, um, McCabe when he's there, and even Frost um, in terms of having a different body shape and size to play to. But Because he just he basically toyed with them a couple of times in terms of marking contests. Because one thing he does have is a, is a leap. Now, Lewis gets off the ground, but it's more, um, you know, that running mark into the pack type situation, whereas Chole looks, he's got that, plus he's got the vertical jump. Like a couple of stages there, he just off, you know, two steps, he was on, the middle of bloke's backs. Um, and he's and he's got good um, judgment too in the air. And he and he gets himself in a really good space when he can. Um, there's a couple of there's two with Harry Morrison who was playing on the wing. And Chol was leading out to the fat side, as they say, but Morrison kicked it into the closer to goal. You know, and they had the conversation. Next time up, Morrison actually hit him on the lead or hit him in the space. Um, so again, it's a learning situation between players as well. Yeah, I was just going to follow up on uh, Mick's point on uh, Chol. I've been impressed uh, with him. I know pre-Christmas, I think he was struggling a bit with fitness. But from what I saw today, uh, he works really, really hard. Uh, he's got a good mark, a really nice kick uh, for goal. I think he completely outplayed uh, Lewis uh, today. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think it's just going to take them a bit of time to work out together. But um, I think he's going to be a really good uh, pickup. Um, I know he's at his third club. You know, a few are worried. You know, he struggled at the Suns last year. Um, but I think in our system, the two of them with our small forward setup, um, I think he's going to be a really, really good uh, player for us. And yeah, I've, I've been impressed. I think there's a couple of things to sort of consider when you think about Marbia Chol. And um, Darren and I uh, were lucky to interview Peter Burge yesterday um, and a little bit of insight into our Zoom uh, interview. Um, we obviously can see him. He can see us when we're when we're chatting. And uh, when we brought up the point around Marbio Chol, and you can listen back to it after this, um, he Burge's face lit up, and his whole face was there was a, there was real excitement on his face. 
And we dug into a little bit why that was. And um, he obviously worked with Mario Chol for six years at Richmond uh, and then hasn't for the last couple and now reunited at Hawthorne. And, and he said from what he remembers to what he's seen now is just a real maturity and work ethic and ownership of his career is effectively what I think he was saying without putting words into his mouth um, about how maybe Ochoa has gone about it in his time at Hawthorne. The Hawks purposely held him back. Um, he was injured in the VFL grand final. And as Burge mentioned yesterday, it was a little bit more severe than they thought and anticipated. So when they got him in the doors, they actually thought, okay, we need to put a bit more time. We need to give this, treat this knee injury with a bit of respect. So he was on a modified program prior to Christmas, but has been completely on the full program post the, the um, Christmas break. And you can just see, uh, I think the way that um, he complements our forward line. I think he really straightens us up as well. Having a second target to be able to kick to, um, super important. And I think as Mick sort of touched on, he gives you a tool with a bit of fluidity and explosion at the same time. And those players are obviously super rare. So um, that was really, really exciting. Um, another player that was... Just, yeah, go Then before you go on, on child, two, three things. Like he smothered off the mark today. You know, when he was on the mark, he smothered a kick. There were two chase downs through the middle of the ground when he was playing as a ruckman, and there was also forward pressure when he was when he's playing as forward. So he was doing those one percenters, which sort of you know shows that he's all in it at the moment anyway. And I'm not to doubt that he's not going forward, but you know it's a good way to start. Absolutely, and I, and I think that's the sort of impression you like to see at the start, and you hope you see that uh, in the middle of winter in the dog days when we're getting uh, getting you know maybe a bit of a touch-up by a very, very good side. But uh, one of the other players that I thought was a, a real standout, um, not just in the first half, but throughout the game, uh, Brad, was uh, Croc, Connor McDonald. Um, there's been a lot of conversations about him uh, in footy media and possibly being on not even selected in the best 23s and stuff like that. Um, to, to us inside, you know, insiders, but Hawks fans, we know how important he is and that he's on the verge of a breakout. And I think today's performance, although it was Hawthorne versus Hawthorne, um, really showed uh, how he is just primed for a breakout year. Oh, absolutely. He was probably in our top three best players uh, today. Played a range of positions, you know, played half forward, played a bit of wing. Noticed in the last quarter, he attended a few centre bounces, kicked, you know, kicked a couple of really, you know, he's just classy. He got a good clearance in the last quarter where he burst out of the midfield. So he has that pace. We've spoken about the fact that our midfield's quality, you know, we've got Newcomb and Day and Warpole and Nash and Husby coming through, but we don't have that, you know, Petrarca, Dusty Martin, you know, Bond type of uh, midfielder. If Connor McDonald played permanently in the midfield, I believe he could be that type of player. Unfortunately, there's no permanent spot from there at the moment. And with Moore probably going to miss the opening few rounds. Um, I know the club have said he's not going to play for at least the next four weeks. But when you read the words at least, and you look at the history of glandular fever, um, Will Phillips from North Melbourne missed the entire season last year with the same thing. Not saying Dylan's going to be uh, the same. He seems like a really strong professional trainer. But I'd be very surprised if Dylan Moore played in the first probably two or three rounds of the season. So Moore and McDonald sort of play that similar role, that high half forward role. Um, there's obviously, which we'll touch on, you know, a couple of spots on the wing. McDonald could easily play on the wing as well. 
I don't think uh, he will. I think he'll need to play more as a high half forward because he can kick a goal and he's very classy. But absolutely, he's going to break out, I think, uh, this season. Um, it's just where he plays is going to be uh, interesting. I just don't know what the right spot is for him. One thing I want to add to the discussion around Connor McDonald there, there uh, and this is some information sent to us by um, Kinner on, on Twitter, and he DM'd us. He said, you know, a lot of discussion around Connor McDonald, and we had a really good chat with Burge about, uh, about uh, Connor uh, yesterday as well. Um, Connor McDonald in his first two seasons played 41 games. If we compare him to a couple of uh, genuine stars over in Port Adelaide in Connor Rosie and Zach Butters, he's played three more games in his first two years than Rosie, five more than Zach Butters, averages more kicks, uh, half a handball less, and more than a possession more per game than either of those players. Um, Roughly the same amount of goals as Butters, um, roughly the same amount of scores as those guys, and about the same amount of tackles, slightly less. So, you know, while... Others are forgetting, and the media sort of forget about him or maybe don't notice him as well. From a, a second year to a third year player, I think he's tracking on um, absolutely as, as good as he could be, playing a really difficult role as a high half forward um, in a team that doesn't, that has struggled to kick goals in the past two seasons. So, um, you know, Mick, I think there's, I don't think he has the explosion of a Petrarca or any anybody like that, but. I think one thing that makes me excited, I'm sure you think um, similarly, is that every time he seems to get the ball in and around the forward half of the field, good things eventuate from that that attacking thrust. Yeah, he doesn't waste it. There's no issue about that. And he's getting more confidence in his kicking. Um, but the thing that struck me today was that last quarter, if you remember, he took that really strong contested mark over the back. I can't remember who it was. But that's not something that I've noted him doing the last couple of years. So... He's, you know, I think he's probably getting faith in his body. He just looks physically more mature, um, and his run and carry from that wing half forward complements Amon off half back, and the same with McKenzie and Ward through the middle. So the the group looked to my eye appreciably quicker across the ground today, um, not just ball movement, but physically across the ground, and he plays into that part. Uh, but you're right, he, you know, he'll hit a target going inside 50, um, yeah, you want it in his hands. Absolutely. Now, um, you chatted about speed across the ground, and one of the changes in this off-season has been the move from of Amon to half-back from a predominantly wing position last year. Brad, you were a big rap for Amon in the first half. Uh, what were your thoughts? And um, give us a little bit of insight into the role he played and how he played it. Yeah, so he played, we we have spoken about this and seen previously this preseason that he was going to be pushed to half back. Uh, he spent the majority of the game there. He was actually quite uh, deep at uh, times, but his uh, disposal was really, really good. They used him and um, MP played, you know, those half back uh, positions, the small, I guess, half backs. But I think he's going to be a bit of a weapon. Uh, Mick has also touched on previously. Um, one player um, who has impressed me and who I liked uh, today was uh, D'Ambrosio. Uh, he played a bit of half back in the first half and then was moved into the A team in the second half into the best 22. He uh, played on a wing and his disposal, his left foot is elite. I think he's pro- probably would be 
one of, I don't know, Mick might um, agree as well and can talk about it, probably the best stack kick in the team at the moment. So I think he's going to probably play round one. There is spot on the wing. Um, but if you move, yeah, with uh, Amon moving to half back, CJ's obviously going to miss the start of the season. So there are two spots on the wing. Uh, Morrison, who can be, you know, a bit of a controversial player um, amongst our supporters. You know, he was in the A team as well in the second half. And you can't uh, fault him. He uh, kicked a good goal, plays his role really well. Um, he's experienced now as well. So I reckon the start of the season, we're going to see Morrison and probably D'Ambrosio on the wing. I think Carl Amon will start on the half-back line. I think his kicking is uh, too important. Um, Scrimshaw's uh, the other one who played quite well. He's played a bit more key position, but he's still got a great uh, left foot. So, yeah, I think um, Amon will definitely start in across the other half-back line. I think it's going to be a really good move. Yeah, Mick, I agree. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, as a, as a flow-on from that, um, moving Amon to half-back with Impey, uh, Scrimshaw, Sicily, um, it's a it's a lot of either Weddle pace, as well. Weddle, it's a lot of pace or really good ball use um, from most of our back six. Um, clearly by design, Mick. Yeah, I think so. Danny, we we spoke about this. You know, I think it's sort of taking a bit of the Collingwood structure that run from half back. You think of Crisp and no, um, and that Murphy's out, but yeah, those blokes are just sort of dashed off there. And it's interesting. We played really a back seven with. The rotation, Blank and Frost barely went off the ground, nor did Sicily for a bit of a break, but it was the, the rotation of Impey, Amon, Scrimshaw, and who's the one, who's the other one? Impey, who's the other halfback flanker? Uh, Weddle, you know, so to keep them fresh and keep that run going through. So hence that's where the, the injury to Blank sort of might upset that structure if they push Scrimshaw back to being a sort of, tall defender, so I'm not sure they want to do that. We can talk about that later. But yeah, the run and carry, the ball delivery, going back to Brad's point about D'Ambrosio, um, and it's something that they share a bit, he shares a bit with a couple of other players, is he sometimes runs himself into trouble. You know, and particularly, and he looks to be very left-side dominant, which we're used to with virtual and players like that. But you know, again, it's a matter of experience. You've got to cut him some slack, because I don't think he would have played 15 games yet. Um, but when he's got time and space. And and at the end of the game, you know, Danny, we were watching he, there was Warple and he going for a mark and looked like Warple got called out of it. This is about 40 metres out. And um, he took the mark and then he looked to pass it off and we both looked at each other and said, you know, with your kicking skills, you've got to start kicking those. And he went back yeah. and kicked it. Yeah. yeah. But, um, again, that's a question of confidence and one of being a team player, I suggest. But, yeah, he, yeah he's got the run and carry again. Gives you that league speed. Absolutely, he does. Um, Brad, uh, Josh Weddle, obviously the king of pre-season. Um, what were your thoughts on his game today? And and is the running into blind alleys uh, a, a serious concern or is it just a, a level of maturity that, um, you know, Weddle needs to sort of iron those kinks out of his game? I love uh, Weddle. You know, I'm the king of his fan club. I'm... I've, tweeted about it. I'm sticking to it. I think by the time he's 23, he'll be a top 10 player in the AFL. Uh, I don't think he had a great game uh, today. His run and carry was fantastic, but his disposal needs a lot of work still. I think we've touched on it as well. I think Sam's obviously given him the license just to back himself in, run and carry, but often today he'd run and carry, break a line, which was unbelievable, but then he just bombs it 
you know, uh, turns it over, um, doesn't really look where he's uh, kicking. So uh, that'll come uh, with experience. Um, I think he's going to learn, but you can just see, like, he's only 19, he's six foot four, he's 92 kilos, runs like the wind, can run all game. I think uh, as a wingman, he'd be unbelievable, but I think we need him running off half back. Um, I think he's going to have to play a bit more key position as well at times. Um, he's got the body now, he's just got to learn how to play out defensively. We saw him last year. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the game against Carlton, they started him on, I think, Charlie Curnow. He got taught a lesson in the first quarter, um, which is fine. Uh, that'll come. Um, but, yeah, uh, he had a decent game. He did some uh, nice things. But, yeah, he still has a lot of work uh, to go. But you can just see uh, the signs there that he's just going to be an absolute superstar. He's a hybrid type of player, you know, someone that can play, you know, obviously off half back, probably play centre-half back, wing. He could probably play in the midfield. And he could, I reckon, play as a centre-half uh, forward as well. So, um, yeah, he's going to be... Probably, I reckon, our best player in a few years' time and one of the best players in the AFL. But, yeah, still needs a bit of work, but uh, that'll come. Absolutely. Mick, um, before I ask you and Brad both about a couple, a player or two that caught your eye that we haven't touched. This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. Sean, I do want to get your thoughts on Max Ramsden, who I was pretty impressed with as a... Uh, forward ruck um, hybrid um, and obviously the third quarter when it went to you know best versus the rest he was playing in the rests and uh, and he bagged three goals in a quarter uh, against our A defenders so what were your initial thoughts on on Ramsden and, and how he went about it today when you when you said the question Danny that's the first name that came to mind like you know, his forward work uh, against Frost and Sicily in that quarter was outstanding. And even more so when he played as a ruckman, he went back defensively and intercepted against Chole. He's probably one of the better um, matchups against Chole in terms of playing defensively. He didn't let, he used his athleticism to um, outmark him at one stage. But in the ruck, I don't think he's got the body strength in terms of the ruck contest more generally. Meek and Reeves sort of, I thought, broke even. They didn't, neither one dominated. But when Rams, when Ramsden replaced Meek, Reeves dominated Ramsden. I don't think he's quite got that body strength yet to be a ruckman in in a chop-out situation. So it might be he, whether he plays the Gunston role if Gunston gets injured. Because um, in the fourth quarter, they rewarded him by putting him into the, the top of the gold side or the top side. Um, so you had a forward line of Lewis, Chole, Ramsden playing with Ginevan, Watson and Hardwick. Um, and I think Watson and Ginevan just lick, lick, what is it, um, lick their lips and just said, away we go, boys, because they just knew where the ball was going and they render the right spots all the time. Um, in terms of, say, the lesser-known players, Ryan was one that I thought did a couple of things for a kid that was drafted very late in the, in the piece um, and he's got something to work on, you know, perhaps later part of next year, a later part of this year or early next year. Um, I take Brad's point, Morrison, you know, Morrison's just a professional footballer, I think. He's just going to do what he do, does well and not mess around. Um, you might make some blues from time to time, but it won't be out of lack of um, effort or application. And the other one was, I thought, Sarong, when he played both in the, in the uh, what do we call it, teal side and they, he went into the gold side, 
after Blank went down. Defensively, he does some things that are strong defensive actions. Um, I don't know whether any, if you get a chance to see the clip of the match highlights today, you'll see him intercept um, an entry to Hardwick where the gold side had a good run on, and I think it was um, Newcomb to Watson, and he, he was looking to set up Hardwick, and Sarong used his um, athleticism to intercept the, uh, the forward entry to get him out of bounds. So, um, you know, I've got, I've got a bit of time for him, I think, going forward. Brad, um, I'm going to throw to you to ask you the same question, but I want to start with um, Denver Granger Barras, who for me was one of the uh, sort of positives out of today. Um, didn't didn't like set any world records or anything like that, but um, solid in the air, uh, attacked the the game and the contest hard. One couple of contested marks and and took off after marking it a couple of times to try to break some lines as well. So there were some really positive signs with Denver. Um, did you enjoy his game and and who else caught your eye? Absolutely, I was going to touch on him um, when you said you know uh, who was a player you know, who we haven't really touched on. I thought his second half was really strong. I know he played in the B team. So, you know, he's, he obviously isn't earmarked, you know, to be in the side round one. He was probably going to start the season at Box Hill. Um, but I thought he performed really, really well. As you mentioned, he took a couple of really strong uh, marks, especially in the second half. Um, I think him and Sarong are both going to have to play a bit of senior footy now, with obviously with Blank going down. It'll be interesting to see how Sam Frost goes to start off uh, the season. Frost is going to play, will be the fullback round one, which is going to be uh, interesting. Um, but yeah, he was probably the one uh, Mick did touch on, uh, Ryan, who I think also he's got a lot of uh, potential. He's got pace and I uh, can see why they drafted him. I think he's going to be a really, really uh, good player. Um, and Sarong as well. Yeah, Mick touched on all of them, and obviously uh, Ramson, who I know you mentioned, um, uh, Mick in the ruck. I think, yeah, he's got a long way to go as a ruckman, um, but I think he can absolutely play as a third forward, and I know he's got a really, really strong uh, tank. He can potentially play on a wing as well, similar to like um, what the Bombers did uh, with Nick Cox in uh, his first year. 200-plus centimetre player who can uh, run all game. And I think Ramsden, yeah, can absolutely be, a, you know, a bit of a, a hybrid type of player for us. So, yeah, there's some, you know, decent depth there. We're going to touch on the, uh, you know, the guys that got hurt. But as we've touched on, I think this year we've got as good a depth as we've had in the last, you know, probably five or six uh, seasons. So a lot of these younger players, in DGB and Sarong and Butler is another one who we haven't really touched on, who I think played pretty well. He played a bit up uh, the ground. I think a few of these guys are going to get more of an opportunity than um, we first uh, would have thought. Um, just a couple of, uh, sort of questions for me. Listen to Rob McCartney on SEN this evening on with that, Andrew Gaze and Andy Ma. He seemed to suggest that uh, Frost was in a battle for to keep his spot. Uh, against blank, so you know we've we long suspected that probably both wouldn't play in the same team. That might now sort of be the case. This might have been a uh, for a couple of players who uh, a bit of a sort of inadvertent boost today would be Harry Morrison, who everybody wants out of the side. But as one of you said before, is the ultimate professional. And the other one's Frost. His spot in that team might be secure. But I, I've got the belief, Mick. I want to ask you this: the idea with Frost, surely. Just lockdown, 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 create mutual contest, and then let the guys with a bit of skill and speed take it from there. What do you think? 
Ash, before Mick jumps in, can I just give you a bit of insight that I heard on the boundary line during the first half? And and Frost was in the teals, so uh, he was not in our A. Uh, no, sorry, he was not in our A defense. He was in our B defense to start off with, and he. Um, no, sorry, he was in our A defense to start off with. Anyway, yeah. regardless, he didn't get the contest, and I heard Mitchell tell the runner. Go tell Frosty, he better mark that if he wants to play in this team. And it was that that was the message the runner had to take out to Sam Frost in the first or second quarter of uh, of the intra club match today. So I thought that was very interesting. So a bit. So we'll, we'll talk, and we've got a few more weeks to sort of uh, pick over what the team's going to look like. But let's sort of talk about the. The impact of the injury. So Blank goes out, probably puts just Frost. Just do Ash. Yep. Sorry. Just going to your point. You're 100% right on Frost role. It's going to be a lockdown role. Um, but that's why I was interested that he, he was actually in the gold team to start with. I found that a little bit surprising, to be honest. Um, I thought they might have gone with Sarong, given he finished the season off last year, or even DGB, because Frost has had a pretty interrupted pre-season. But um, they must, you know, whether it was a Playoff, so to speak, or they just value his his strength. I don't know. Does Grimshaw show enough today to you know he's supposed to have had a brilliant preseason? Did he look like he's had a good uh, the player who's had a good preseason and perhaps more of a key position type than the lanky yeah. flank he's been until now? Yeah, definitely. And I thought he's really aggressive in the tackle. You know, there wasn't any shirking of any contest. Now, whether it's because you're playing with your mates, I don't know. But to me, he looked he looked switch on and he you know used the ball well. But again, he didn't give as much run as the others. So whether he he had that uh, negative role first with uh, Impey and Amon doing the run along with Weddle. I don't know what the others think on that one. Do we all agree that the uh, well actually how was CJ playing before he got injured? I've heard you know, the Herald Sun report. Glenn McFarlane said he was going well. Someone on HHQ said he actually burnt footy a lot and looked really rusty. How how did he look before the injury? Uh, I thought it was pretty solid, to be honest. I didn't. I didn't think he was um, like Brad touched on. Like it was. It was before half time um, that CJ walked off. He didn't even limp off. He just walked off. Um, but you knew there was an injury because he walked off through, and a passage of play kind of happened around him, and he just didn't get involved in it. And sort of, you know, we looked at each other, going, "Okay, that that doesn't look good." Um, but there was no discernible limp or anything like that. Um, but I thought he looked good. He ran to good spots. Yeah, there was one or two turnovers, but in general, the ball use was pretty solid. Um, you know, he wasn't Connor McDonald, Henry Hathwaite in that first half or John Newcomb in that first half, but he was more than serviceable. The ball movement uh, in the... Sorry. The the ball, yeah, the ball movement in the first quarter particularly was very corridor-orientated. It came out of the middle quite cleanly, so... The wings didn't get a lot of opportunity. Uh, yeah, I thought, he's, I thought he was solid in what he did. Um, so of the three, of, so of the injury news today, so we've got uh, more CJ and Blank. Um, who do you think? Uh, I'll throw this over to all of you. Who are the beneficiaries? I mean, who 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 should be rubbing their hands together and saying opportunity is now there for me based on the injury outcomes out of today? Based on who should play and what you saw today? Who, who are the you know, there are benefic- beneficiaries out of today? Sadly, who are they? 
Uh, I'll start. Um, obviously, uh, Sam Frost is the first one with the blank injury. And, um, you know, as uh, McKen- uh, McCartney um, sort of insinuated, they were battling it out for the same position. Um, so there's that. But it also opens the door for some, genuinely for some game time for Granger Barras or Jai Sarong as key defenders. Um, I think with the Dylan Moore one, I think Connor McDonald plugs straight into that role and it opens up a role either off the bench uh, or on a high half forward flank for Nick Watson to play round one, Jack Ginevan to come straight into the team as we expected. And it probably removes a bit of a log jam that we had with small forwards. Uh, I saw some stuff on Twitter about, oh, you know, with all these small forwards, um, Hardwick will 100% go back after today. I cannot see it. Um, he he was actually really good and kind of played the Dylan Moore role as a high half forward. Um, and, you know, Mick sort of talked on it. It's kind of a, a leading forward. If you think of the t- the style of player, it's kind of like uh, a non-out-of-the-goal square Mark Williams from back in the day, you know. So Willow would lead and, and mark and kick for goal out of the goal square. Hardwick did a, a bit of that, but sort of higher up the ground. So uh, using his good foot skills to set people up. So I think really just those ones just sort of free up. And then I think D'Ambrosio is the other one on a, on a wing. I don't think he probably starts if CJ's fit uh, in round one, but I think he probably definitely starts round one because of the injury. Right. Who um, wrote the rucks, uh, Rees and Meek? I mean, it looks like again now that uh, the club's more or less conceded that it's going to be the days of them playing in the same team are just about over. So it's a rough competition. Is Reeves miles ahead of of, of Meek, or did Meek look all right today? Meek took a couple of marks around the ground, but in terms of ruck work, Reeves has got the height. Um, and with Reeves marking, I don't know what the others think. I don't see how he doesn't get chopping the arms freeze. To be honest, you know, <laughs> he puts his arms up, and blokes are just dragging him down at times. Not all the time. He does have to get stronger through the core and hold his position. But there are stages there where I think he gets the big man tax. You know, you've got to really earn your free kick. Um, yeah, but Reeves would be the one for me. It's a fair point, Mick. Um, Reeves is definitely um, a lock as the number one ruck. I don't think he's as far ahead as people think. Um, I th- he, his game today was similar to last season. I still think... For whatever reason, I just don't think he's fit enough yet. He doesn't do enough around uh, the ground still. With his size, he needs to be able to, you know, provide that uh, outlet uh, mark on a wing. He just, he does it. I just don't think he's fit enough. His ruck work is superb. His tap work is really good. But um, for someone his size to be take that next step and to become a quality uh, ruckman in the AFL, he needs to be able to push forward and kick goals. And he also needs to be able to push back to help out our defenders, similar to what uh, Max Corn has obviously done for the last, you know, six to eight uh, years at the Demons. I think he's definitely got potential to be able to do that. Um, he's definitely going to start as the sole uh, ruck. Chol plays a really good backup uh, role, and I think he'll continue uh, to do that. So, unfortunately for Make, I know we were all really bullish on him at the start of last season. But he's going to play the season at Box Hill unless uh, Reeves gets it hurt. So it's going to be interesting to see what Meek does. Because if Reeves plays the whole season, which hasn't really happened, he, he does get hurt. So Meek is a very good backup and you need to have quality backup. But 
at the end of this season, if he hasn't played much footy, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because Max Ramson, with a couple more pre-seasons in the gym, will definitely become that number two, in my opinion. Okay, we're going to throw it open now to... If anyone wants to jump in and join the conversation, you've got questions for the guys who were there today in particular. Patrick, welcome. Good evening. Hey, I was just going to say... They were describing the GF one. I, it would happen just almost right in front of me. It's almost a weird one where he went up to go after Lewis and he like was trailing him and then he came down screaming and I'm like, is he just like disappointed that he couldn't affect the marking contest and that and then he just like went down disappointed and then, yeah, he just walked off. Yeah, I, I wasn't there today. So uh, is, is that how you sort of recall things, uh, guys? Uh, to be honest, I, I missed the incident itself, um, and I saw I saw him walking off. Yeah, like I said, without any sort of noticeable limp. So I didn't hear any scream or anything, but that's not to say that it didn't happen. Um, but I didn't see exactly where he did it. It was the other. He was playing the other the other wing or the outer wing on that stage. Um, yeah, that was the side I was on. So. Yeah, yeah, and there was media report or the media report from the club. I think said he felt some tightness at that stage. So he hadn't actually pinged anything. Um, so whether it's just, you know, that awareness issue that they talk about uh, and, it, and he, his body's so finely tuned, he now knows. Ethan Phillips, an interesting day now for Jad Ruffhead. So he's just joined the club as the player acquisition role. Um, I don't know if he, everyone, you guys saw him actually watching the game, but I'm sure when Blank went down, he got a message, uh, go back upstairs and get your Rolodex out and see who's available. So, uh, was Ethan Phillips would be at the front of the queue, Mick. Uh, how did you, did you uh, uh, did he play today as one of the Box Hill top ups? He did play. He was number sixty, and that's about as much as I can tell you, Ash, uh, because <laughs> I, I tended to focus on the guys who I wasn't predicting um, Blanky going down with a knee injury to have a look at you know, who might replace him because our list is actually full. We don't have a spot, um, uh, so uh, Blank would have to be. Uh, put on the inactive list, and then we could put someone on. But he did play um, at stages. and But there were about 10 Box Hill blokes playing. They, they went up to, I think, number 61 or 62 in the jumpers today. Right. Mm -hmm. You would think that uh, Phillips being the key defender and uh, reasonably, you know, I think he's 197 centimetres and he won the Fothergill round. Uh, I'm apologies to the third person medal that they award in the VFL, you would have to think he's at the front of the queue. He came to Box Hill for the opportunity to get under the noses of the Hawthorne people and it might work out for him. Yeah, I was going to say, Ash, I, um, I'd be very surprised if it's not announced in the next 24, 48 hours. Um, Blank will go to the long-term injury list and Phillips will join the list. I'm pretty sure we've only got till the 19th of February um, is the cutoff. So um, I actually... Funnily enough, uh, earlier this evening, did speak to someone close to Phillips, um, and I would be very surprised if he wasn't um, on our list in the next uh, couple of days. Yeah, good time for the boys. It's back here Monday. The SSP closes. He did try for him. Yeah, he trained pre-season, uh, pre-Christmas rather, and he's very athletic, and he uses the ball well, um, and he's and he's big. You know, so probably three things that work in his favour, obviously. And I think you'll be there for Team Photo Day next week as well. So it's very good timing, by the boy. Uh, hello, Walk. Good evening. Walk, you there? 
What can you, uh, we can't hear you, are you there? Oh, we'll, uh, we'll move on from Wacky. Uh, got stage fight after all. Um, what other, anything else, uh, before we wrap it up, any, anything else notable out of the day, gents? Anything that uh, you've, you're still in your, in your notepad you want to discuss? Any, going to Brad's point, sorry. Go on, Dan. No, go, Mick. I was going to say, going to Brad's point earlier about Watson, any player who's over 100, 180 centimetres is going to have trouble tackling without giving away a head-high free kick. And other clubs are going to go nuts, as Brad said. But, um, the, other, the other aspect would be the style of play, to me, was much more aggressive than it was last year, particularly this time last year. They were really keen to move the ball quickly and go that, that inside corridor where they could. Um, but again, you're playing amongst yourselves, so you've probably got that that advantage. So next week might uh, give a better overview of that. Yeah, I was going to say, like we obviously play the Bulldogs twice, I don't, which I don't understand is crazy in the next couple of weeks. So we'll learn more then. But yeah, uh, for me, I just I think the forward line is going to be so good to watch, and our midfield is building. I've said it, and I believe it. Uh, we're not there yet, but I think in probably two and a half to three years' time when this unit's played, say, 50-plus games together with Husswaite, Ward, McKenzie, um, Warple, Nash, Newcomb, Day. I don't know how we're going to fit them all in. They'll find a way. But that midfield coupled with Lewis and Chol as the key forwards and with those small forwards, um, I think we're going to be able to kick, you know, 15-plus um, goals quite a lot. The biggest issue is obviously now with Blank going down. I think our defence is going to struggle. I just, I can't, I just, I, I don't know how it's going to work against the, you know, higher quality teams. Like you think now how our back line is going to come up against uh, Carlton's forward line with their two key forwards, Geelong, you know, in the opening rounds, you know, with Hawkins and Cameron and um, those type of players against the teams with your big key forwards. It's going to be really difficult. It's going to take a system back line. And unfortunately for Sicily, Blank going down is going to hurt him. I know we've talked about Frost is going to go back, but we saw it last year when Sicily has to play key position uh, defence, he struggles. So it's going to be interesting to see because Sicily needs to play that loose third man role, which is the best in the competition at. But I just can't see it happening um, without Blank. We've got Adam Warney Child, the AFL fantasy guru. He's listening. Warney, if you want to jump on, I've got a fantasy question for you. So uh, if you've got, if you're in a quiet place and you want to jump on and answer a question in the next few minutes before we finish up, jump on because there are a couple of fantasy ramifications you would think out of today. Um, I want to um, also um, ask you: Do, do you think? Uh, did, was Newcomb going flat check today, or do you think he was just you know, keeping things in reserve for uh, knowing he's important to the side? He might have been going a bit uh, less than 100%. Well, I'd probably say not 100%, but he was still probably our best uh, midfielder. He's going to uh, go up a level. It's going to be interesting to see if teams try to lock uh, down on him. He's impossible to tackle. I think he's got even stronger. Like last year, we saw he put on a bit of size, but his legs have got bigger and he's got, he seems to have a bit more, yeah, explosiveness. I think he's, he's going to go to another, you know, he's going to go to another level. I'm pretty sure he's played less than 55 games. So 
scary to think how good he can be. Um, he's by far our best uh, midfielder. Um, even with Will Day in the side, who I know is really classy, I think Jai's our best uh, midfielder. And I thought today he was probably, with Connor McDonald overall across the four quarters, was our best player. So he's going to have a massive season. But it'll be interesting to see if teams um, do decide to tag him because he's probably, you'd say, the one player in our team who teams will look uh, to lock uh, down on. Warney, welcome. <laughs> Thank you for jumping on very quickly. Um, what does it mean for James Tisley in fantasy when uh, Hawthorne's number one and perhaps only really hulking Kerr defender goes down? Yeah, well, you see his numbers. He probably isn't um, loose enough for us to get all those little cheapies, those plus sixes that we like in fantasy. So, um, yeah, I reckon that, uh, I, well, you guys will know as well as anyone, I guess he, he just might have to play more of a role because that's an issue. But in saying that too, even when he does have to do that at times, um, you know that he still finds his way to be that interceptor as well as part of that. So uh, the the numbers, though, are officially down when Blank's not in the side. So that's something for fantasy. And because he had such a massive season last year, if you're thinking about fantasy classic, he's, he's not a great start. And um, I think for a lot of coaches with in draft as well, it's going to make us think that we might have to bump him down the draft order or not pick him as that sort of second defender off the board um, in draft this year because of that. It's obviously an issue and it's a bit of unknown. Like it depends on what we see in the preseason games and how they look. But for me, I, I just can't see him going at his uh, 105 that he basically averaged last year from that. Yeah, that's a, a blow for a lot of reasons. Not for Hawthorne people and people who, who absolutely love James Sisley in fantasy. A couple of Hawthorne players who are, you know, I know fantasy players know everyone across the competition, but what a players like Ginevan and uh, D'Ambrosio, and you're being a Bombers man, you know D'Ambrosio, what sort of fantasy players are they? Yeah, it's hard with how they are. So um, Ginevan to start with, like I guess he's just um, – when you've got a small forward as such, they're not great um, fantasy members. Um, what we like are the blokes who can get behind the ball. So who knows with D'Ambrosio, like what sort of role he might be able to play because he's shown at times that he can score all right. But they're hard ones to back in. And I guess in, in the classic game, you sort of, if they're at that kind of price where they are, you want them to, um, you know, pop a, pop a fair bit. But, um, yeah, you're not sort of getting too much value from them. So they're probably not guys that we're looking at. We're probably more looking at, um, oh well, and I know Brad's there as well, and he's been a great uh, a great little source of information for me. But blokes like Carl Amon going to that halfback and, and being able to get um, and play that role, that's sort of what we do love. And then the inside um, players like a John Newcomb. So I'm excited about what he might be able to do. He averaged 93 last year. And I think he could be a triple-figure sort of guy. Um, he's, he burst onto the scene, obviously, being that big tackling machine. I think it was uh, that big – what was it? Was it 14 tackles in his debut game? Yeah, against Sydney at the SCG. Yeah, and so that's the sort of thing that he, he might have been a little bit down on, but obviously he's changed his game a little bit too. He's getting plenty of the pill as well because he's having to be that guy um, with the ball in his hands a little bit more than what he might have been from that start. But he's the sort of guy that I'm I'm pretty bullish on and he's, you know, the first the first bloke in there, I guess, and, and that's what we do like. We like someone with a bit of inside and outside game in fantasy. Warney, absolute pleasure to have you on. Thanks for jumping on and answering a couple of questions for us. I'm sure we'll get back to you some stage over the course. No, of thanks. To Do I need to call your boss on here? Pardon? Do I need to call your boss on here? Uh, no, there's no boss at Auction Siders. We're very egalitarian, mate. <laughs> no, uh, thanks, mate. Good work, <laughs> mate. Um, thanks, mate.
That is Adam Oikali. You can read him regularly in the AFL record and, of course, afl.com.au. He and the traders are the fantasy gurus. Walk, you're back with us. Uh, what's your question? Sorry, I got cut off. Um, just a quick one for you, Ash. The Folly Group round is named after people that have won the Brownlow and JJ Liston. So the third one that you actually missed was none other than our coach, Sam Mitchell. So oh, there you go. There's that. Um, <laughs> the other thing I was just going to say is, like, for some reason, I'm really calm. I know we've lost like the injuries, but like out of any list in the AFL, I'm not saying anything more than I just think we've got as good a depth as anyone. Like from our first to 44th player, there'd be less difference between those two than literally any other team in the league, I reckon. So I'm just confident that we're going to be fine, even with these players missing. Obviously, hopefully Day and Moore get back soon, but I'm I'm not worried about anyone else, really. I think what you've made a very valid point, and there's a lot of doom and gloom amongst Hawthorne people, as I said at the top of the space. But James Blank, important Hawthorne, he's probably not in the top 12, 14 key defenders in the competition. In fact, we can say with certainty he's not. And team defence is more important than ever in footy. And there are fewer of those hulking gorilla forwards in the game than there used to be as well. So I think they'll be okay. We've we've talked about the much vaulted depth at Hawthorne. Let's see how it goes. We should also remember the season is still 30 or so days. I think it's 32 days away till Hawthorne's first game. I think I've got that right. Um, so there's still time. I thought it was... What's that? I thought it was 30 days exactly today. Yeah. So there's still time. I and mean, we've got – it's not ideal, guys, are losing preseason, but it's not – if this had happened in round one and they had dropping like flies against Essendon in front of 70,000 MCG, we would all feel – utterly depressed about what has transpired, but it is still February the, whatever it is, 15th, 16th, 17th, and there's a lot to take out for the season. The reinforcements, in most cases, blank, except of blank, the reinforcements should all be back by round four, round five of what is a very long season, and not to say Hawthorne's going to play finals. I don't think they're going to play finals. I think 10 wins is still the realistic outcome. But we look at what happened last year with various stages, GWS, Carlton and Sydney were all in the bottom four of the ladder and they all played finals and two of those teams were playing preliminary finals. So it is such a long season now. So much can happen. It will sort itself out and there's some, and we've all done our best 23s. Brad, you do it for a living. Um, seriously good players have been left out of the Hawthorne best 23s as we've been doing them all through the off-season. So they've got some depth and they'll, they'll mount a pretty decent team. Won't be the team we would love to see in round one. I think they'll mount a pretty competitive team at, in round one against an Essendon side that has got as many question marks hovering it over as Hawthorne does. So, Walk, thank you for bringing some much-needed perspective to all of that. Uh, we're going to finish up in a couple of minutes. Mick? I was going to say, you know, I agree 100%. You know, the worst, as I said earlier, the worst part for me is Blank's going to come back as a 24-game player in his last year of a contract. We won't know where he stands. So that's that's the saddest part for him and the club, I'd suggest. And the other non-participants today, just for people, Wingard did a running session. Tucker did a running session. Stevens did a running session before the match and then went upstairs. I'm not sure what he did after that. Uh, Moore had the glandular fever news. McKay watched in, I think he's just wearing a hoodie, you know, club hoodie, he was wandering around. Deer did running work during the game. And then Mitchell O'Sullivan and Bailey McDonald looked to have done something upstairs and then came down and watched the game or part of the game some way through. And uh, Will Day, of course, was in the moon boot. 
didn't have the crutches today, I don't think. Didn't, didn't seem to notice him, but uh, he watched the game from the, from the sideline as well. Um, and the other player, I don't know whether we've sort of given him any mention, that caught my eye was McKenzie. Um, his run and carry was very good. And just the midfield was probably the area of the game was probably had the most intense pressure across the four quarters, it's, I'd say, to Brad's point earlier. I agree, you know, they were, they were having a crack. Um, not 100%, but they were, you know, a couple of tackles from Nash and Butler were quite interesting at a couple of tussles through the game. I don't know whether Butler takes angry pills in uh, practice matches or not. Um, quick question from Phineas before we go. Is Cade Simpson the best coach for our back line now, noting some of HI question his coaching in 2023? Well, pressure's on Cade Simpson to make it all work, but it's not his fault that, uh, you know, that uh, he'll have his number one key defender out for the season. Um, I think team defence will be the thing to go, and how, how they make it, how they make it work. How can they can make sure that not too much is left to Sam Frost, um, and that they can find ways to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible, and get it into the hands of the players who can actually use the footy properly and make the smarter decisions. So uh, he'll relish the challenge. I think um, we should take comfort in the fact that uh, the head coach is a pretty smart bloke. His name is Sam Mitchell. Um, he will be, I think, the Hawthorne coaching staff will be just fine. Well, we are going to wrap it up here. Don't forget the live show. I think there's a handful of tickets might still be remaining for Less than March 10. 30. Less than 10. Less than 10. Fewer than 10, Brad, if you're actually a student of English. Um, <laughs> remaining for that, we can't wait to see a lot of you on the night. It's going to be a load of fun. We're still working out arrangements for how we're going to whether we're going to live stream it or whether we're going to turn around as a podcast pretty much straight afterwards. But uh, there'll be more information about that, plus a couple more guests who's now going to uh, say thank you to everyone, particularly thanks to Mick and to uh, Brad and to um, Danny for taking the trouble to go out to the game today and come up with some uh, and give us a brilliant insight to what took place today. So thank you to you, gentlemen. We have apologies from Weesey and from Mora and from Darren, some of whom will be back when we next do our space Back to Wednesday night, I think, next week uh, as we'll preview the first of the two games against the Bulldogs and probably a bit more of a debrief about the events of the week. We didn't even talk about the Dingley opening, but we can save that for all the Dingley unveiling, which we will probably save for next time as well. So thanks, everybody, for joining us, Hawks Insiders. It's great numbers tonight. I think everyone wanted to uh, come together and grieve together, but it, as uh, Wok pointed at the end, it is not all doom and gloom, I think, in the long term. In what is still probably a development year, the Hawks will be okay, and this is short-term pain for long-term gain. Enjoy the uh, rest of the week and the weekend. Thanks for your support of Fox Insiders. Danny, thank you for making it all come together so uh, seamlessly tonight. And we'll Beautiful, Ash. Thanks for helping. Uh, all good. We'll talk to you all next week. Thanks. Good night. This was another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall Hawthorne Footy Club coverage.